What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is the Asian Madness Podcast. A podcast where we discuss all things true crime, morbid, mysterious, and odd from the Asian continent. I am your host, Jessica. Hello all, and welcome back to the Asian Madness Podcast. As you can probably tell, this week's episode is going to be all about urban legends. Urban legends can be fun, they can be intense, they can be somewhat ridiculous, but most importantly, they are mysterious. Are they real? Or are they just hoaxes, like that one Momo Challenge urban legend? Oh yeah, spoiler alert, that was totally fake. Anyway... Today I have five tales for you, and whether they're truth, fiction, or an exaggerated truth is up to you to decide. Let's begin today's episode. For tale number one, I would like to thank two of my longtime listeners, Amalia and Adam. The urban legend they gave me might seem identical at first. The names they gave me were slightly different, though. One is the Indonesian name, Palasik, and the other name is the Thai name, the Krasu. I guess this must be a popular urban legend in many places in Southeast Asia. Many other Southeast Asian countries have similar tales to this Krasu and Palasik, including Malaysia. So, I mean, is it really just an urban legend? Anyway, thank you guys. This is the tale of the Krasu or otherwise known as the Palasik in Indonesia. Please note that while the two are similar in certain ways, there are still differences which I will explain as we go along. Let's begin with the Krasu. The Krasu is a nocturnal female spirit that is nothing but a floating head, a trachea, sometimes a neck, with some of her organs like her heart and stomach clinging onto what you could barely consider a torso. Then you have the intestines, sort of just trailing behind her as she makes her way around villages and towns. Not a very pretty sight for sure. 
So how did this urban legend even begin? In Thailand, it is believed that a Krasu is a cursed woman who had lived a rather sinful life in the past, and even death could not wash away her sins. This woman would be cursed to roam the world, feeding off of rotten food and all things disgusting. And feeding time for her would always be at night. If lucky, the Krasu would just feed off cows and chickens, but if they happened to spot a pregnant woman nearby, they would go after the fetus and the placenta. Sometimes it kills the baby, sometimes it just harms the baby, causing it to be born with deformities and sickness. And this legend was enough for people to want to set up barriers outside their homes, just so the Krasu would not reach them. Now, you may be wondering, does this Krasu, aka Floating Head, have a lower body? What happened to the rest of her? Well, legend goes that the body is left somewhere hidden every day before night comes, and while the head goes out and feeds, the body waits patiently. Before daybreak, the Krasu must return to its body, and once they're united, they will look and function like a normal person during the day. But if the head unfortunately does not make it back in time, or if the body is moved while the Krasu is out, it will die a terrible death. For the second time, I suppose. So the best way to get rid of the Krasu? Destroy the body while the head is out and about. Don't give it a home to return to. And that will be the end of it. Now, as for the Indonesian version of the Palasik, the outward appearance is basically the same head, trachea, heart, stomach, intestines kind of trailing behind. Legend goes that those who seek a higher power become a palasik by sacrificing themselves to black magic. And once they become one, the only way to become more powerful is to feed on fetuses, babies, and toddlers. They are not necessarily what you call a dead wandering ghost, but they seem to be humanoid, just with weird powers like werewolves and witches. The Palasik would find women and attack them for their babies, but they will also disguise themselves as your friendly neighbor and feed off your baby. They are set to suck the life and blood out of the children little by little, causing them to become sickly and eventually die from a combination of unknown diseases. If a baby happens to die under these circumstances, their graves must be guarded during the night to avoid further damage done to their little bodies. And you thought they would be done once the babies died, but no, they also want to feed off on the actual body. You could say they are greedy creatures. As the Palasik isn't considered a ghost or a spirit, they can perform normal human actions and procreate. The curse or power, depending on how you look at it, can be passed down to as far as seven generations. So there might be many people walking around with a secret identity. You just haven't figured it out yet. There are those who have been accused over the years for being one, and not surprisingly, they are shunned by society, or maybe even killed off because people are scared of them. So friends, please watch out for these life and blood sucking creatures. You can place a talisman called a sambua, or an herb mixture pouch near your child for extra protection. If you need to know what spices specifically, ask me. I know a guy that knows a guy. So, speaking of dismembered bodies and all, 
on to our second legend. This is a very famous Japanese urban legend, and since it's from Japan, it's probably really weird. This is the legend of the Teke Teke Lady. A schoolgirl was walking home from school one day. She had stayed behind to finish up with some classwork and was finally heading home. It was nighttime, already pretty dark, and she couldn't wait to get back home and relax. She decided to take a shortcut, or maybe it was her usual route going across the train tracks. What made tonight different was her urge to get back home as soon as possible. So instead of waiting for the pedestrian signal indicating it was safe to cross, she made a leap for the tracks. Just as she was running over the tracks though, she hit her foot on something and fell forward, landing on the train track. Also, there was a train approaching at an alarming speed. She barely had time to react as the train passed right over her, cutting her entire body in half from around her waist area. This was an unfortunate accident that took away the life of someone way too young, but also brought about a mean-ass urban legend. The girl died, but came back as a vengeful spirit, which is called an onryo in Japanese. Her evil spirit refuses to leave the earth, and is now rumored to be wandering the streets, using her hands or her elbows to carry her torso around. All the while, the body would make these dragging noises that resembled the sounds. So, if you hear that sound, do not turn around. Just run for it. Don't make the same mistake this boy made. A schoolboy had stayed at school late, working on some classwork. By the time he left school grounds, it was already late and dark. He hurried along and suddenly, he spotted a young, pretty girl on the second floor balcony. She was just there, one arm resting on the balcony, the other hand holding her delicate little face. She looked down at the young boy staring at her, probably with his mouth slightly open. They looked at each other, smiled at each other, but before he could even count to three, the girl leapt down from the balcony, and that's when he realized he had been sharing a moment with something not so human. The girl leapt at the boy running with her hands and before the boy had a chance to turn and run, he was attacked. His lifeless body was discovered early the next morning, and of course, it was missing the lower half. Legend goes that the vengeful spirit is continuously looking for her legs. She kills you, hoping that these will be her legs, but once she discovers that they're not hers, she moves on to find her next victim. She may ask you, Where are my legs? And it will be up to you to give her a satisfactory answer. This spirit is extremely vengeful, so please take heed when you see a pretty girl looking at you from the second floor balcony. Yes, it is possible that she's just a bored girl looking out her balcony, but you can't completely disregard the possibility that she's not human. Either way, be more alert and aware of your surroundings. Remember the kuchisake onna with the split mouth wearing a mask? That too. Don't engage. Get away. Don't talk to strangers. If things feel weird, trust your gut. If you're interested in hearing more about this legend, please check out the movie called Teke Teke, a film from 2009. Now on to the third legend of this episode. 
This is something that happened a few decades ago in Taiwan, and it is said that this incident has brought on a series of hauntings in one of Taiwan's most prestigious all-girls school. This case itself might become an episode all on its own, but in the meantime, I will be focusing on the urban legend aspect of it. Two of my friends, Samantha and Stacy, actually both went to this high school, so thank you both for your contributions. Here goes. On January 23, 1971, a group of students and teachers from Taipei Jingmei Girls High School, about 170 of them, decided to go to Happy Valley for a nice get-together. This is a creekside area where people barbecue and play in the water. There were several hundreds other students from other schools there that day as well, but all fun came to an abrupt end. At around 2 p.m., there was a distant rumbling sound, and no one knew what it was. Before anyone could react, it was already too late. Huge waves of water came at them, submerging everybody in the water. There were hundreds of people by the creek that afternoon, children and teenagers and adults. In a matter of seconds, everyone was underwater. Those that were furthest from the creek survived with minor injuries, but those that were closer to the creek were not so lucky. Military and emergency medical staff arrived soon after, trying to save lives and rescue those that were still in the water. Many people suffered from hypothermia and shock, and in just half an hour, the rescue team had pulled ten bodies from the water. Five people were still missing, amidst the chaos, and they were later found also deceased. The worst part about this is that it was not nature playing tricks, but human error. People working at the dam did not warn or notify anyone that they were going to open the gates, and their carelessness caused 15 people to lose their lives and many more to suffer from injuries. Seven of the 15 people that lost their lives that day were from Taipei Jingmei Girls High School. This also included a faculty member and another teacher's five-year-old child. The rest were students from other schools and a six-year-old child. Basically, all of them were kids, except for one. The bodies of the deceased high school girls were then transported to the school and laid out on the tennis field where the family members would then come and collect their loved ones. Pretty grim, I guess. But I don't know how things worked in the 70s. I guess they needed a place to put the bodies immediately after the incident, and it made sense to transport them back to the school. So, you can see why there are so many hauntings and sightings and urban legends from that school. According to my friend Samantha, there is a bathroom near the tennis court where the bodies were once laid out, that nobody really uses. If it is used, it's always during the day, and people refuse to go to the bathroom there after dark. People have heard whispers, voices, and water sounds in there when nobody else was around. I hate bathroom stories like these. Another really interesting thing about the school is that they place these octagon-shaped mirrors all over the school, especially on the staircases. These octagon-shaped mirrors are called bagua mirrors. There's a whole historical context behind this thing that I won't get into today, but just know that they are used to ward off anything evil and is also seen as feng shui-related. According to my friend Stacy, the school is filled with giant bagua mirrors, and they are hung on the walls of staircases, 
as if trying to keep the corridors and staircases clean of something. The library and the art department buildings are also said to have been remodeled in the shape of bakwa, or basically an octagonal shape. That's not all, though. A bunch of other structures and light fixtures are also rumored to be in that shape, like warding off evil spirits in every corner of the school. Another urban legend regarding this incident is a pretty wild one. Years ago, before this accident, the school had planted a lot of palm trees, and every student was required to adopt a tree. So the number of trees would equal the number of students at the time. But one year, the school was undergoing construction in an area, so they had to chop down a few trees. It is rumored that the number of trees chopped down was also the number of students that died that day. As in, you take trees, I take your people. Nature's revenge? Hmm. After that, no one else would dare suggest chopping off more trees because you don't want to risk it. Maybe it's a coincidence, but what if there's more to it? I've said this a million times, but Asians tend to be rather superstitious. Can't do that because it brings bad luck. Must do this because you want to ward off evil spirits. Urban legend or not, fact is that this actually happened. Many young lives were taken too soon and too suddenly, and I wouldn't be surprised if there were spirits haunting the school. It was the place that brought them together, and as students, it was the biggest part of their lives at that moment. Next up, let's take a look at another Japanese urban legend, because why not? This is the legend of Tomino no Jigoku, or rather, Tomino's Hell. Saijo Yaso was a Japanese poet and author from the early 1900s. He wrote children's books, nursery rhymes, all that. And in 1919, he released a collection of poetry called Sakin, meaning gold dust in Japanese. One of the poems was called Tomino's Hell, and this poem is not meant to be read out loud. If read out loud, you might bring misfortune and bad luck to yourself. The poem is in Japanese, so most of you guys don't have to worry about accidentally reading a cursed poem out loud, but here is an English translation I found online with some minor adjustments, just to give you an idea of what the poem is about and how dark it is. The older sister vomits blood. The younger sister breathes fire. Cute Tomino spits out jewels. Tomino falls into hell all by himself, a hell full of darkness with no flowers. Is Tomino's sister the one who's whipping him? The blood on the whip concerns him. Hitting and hitting without quite hitting it. The road to infinite hell. Please take him to the darkest hell, to the golden sheep, to the nightingale. Put as much as possible into the leather pouch, for his journey into eternal hell. Spring is coming to the valley and to the woods and to the seven rings of hell. The nightingale in the cage, the sheep in the wagon, cute Tomino with tears in his eyes. Sing nightingale in the forest, shouting that he misses his little sister. The crying sounds echo through hell. The fox peony blooms. Going around the seven mountains and seven valleys of hell, 
cute Tomino solo journey. If you find them in hell, bring them to me, to the mountain of pins and needles. I won't pierce you with the red needle, which serve as signs for sweet Tomino. Okay, so there is a lot of hell mentioned in this poem, so it's definitely not a child-friendly poem. Unless you hate children and you want to scar them for life. It's not that reading this poem out loud brings you misfortune, but you will also have to take responsibility for your own actions. What does that even mean? Will you be cursed or possessed to do weird things and in turn, you must be responsible for what you do? Or you just have to come to terms with whatever happens to you after you read it out loud? Rumor states that someone once tried to read this poem on an online radio show, but was unable to finish. They reportedly started feeling ill and just couldn't get through it. A couple days later, the person was in an accident that required stitches. I mean, it could be a coincidence? Maybe. Another rumor states that when Japanese author Yomota Inuhiko was writing out the poem for his own collections, he felt a strong urge to recite it out loud, like some kind of energy forcing him to do so. He didn't want to, but he felt like he had to. He started reading it out loud, and when he was halfway through, he had the sudden realization that there were many voices in the background, reading with him. He felt dread and was terrified, but he felt compelled to continue on. He reread the poem many times out loud, along with all the other voices behind him. Then suddenly, his doorbell rang. He wanted to stop and leave the room, but he was scared to turn around. He knew those weren't people reading with him, but spirits that were drawn to his reading. The doorbell kept ringing, and he finally got up from his chair, turned around, and saw many shadows with eyes staring at him. This terrified him so much he passed out in the study and did not wake up till the next morning when his student dropped by to check on him. He shared his experience on television shows, and this experiment began to appear on famous forums such as 2chan. People started to try this at home, while some said nothing happened. A few did experience what Inuhiko experienced. This urban legend was so widespread at the time, but most people refused to experiment, mostly out of fear of what if. Anyway, whether it's true or not, I will never know, because there is no way I am trying that at home, or anywhere else. As for the last urban legend for this episode, I present to you the Oksu Station Ghost from South Korea. That is a real train station from the Seoul Metropolitan Subway. Here's how the legend goes. One late night, a man was heading home and arrived at Oksu Station. He checked the timetable and was relieved to find that the last train had not departed yet. He sighed a sigh of relief and sat down on one of the benches. He was on his phone talking to his friends when he noticed something moving out of the corner of his eye. He looked up and saw a woman moving quite strangely by the platform. She looked like she was maybe drunk kind of doing a weird dance or maybe just trying to stand up straight, but kept leaning forward and backwards. Hmm, he thought to himself. She really should not have had so many drinks. You know how it is. People making fools of themselves, and you just can't look away. 
You feel awkward and possibly embarrassed for them, but phew, thank God it ain't you. The man kept laughing inwardly, and that's when a very millennial and Gen Z idea hit him. My friends are still online, he thought. Let me post it on a forum. So that's exactly what he did. As soon as he posted it, three of his forum friends responded, asking if she was cute. The man responds, Her hair is all over the place, so I can't really see. Friend 1, Whoa, take a photo of her. Now. Man, yeah, yeah, okay, hold on. He admitted to himself that taking a photo of her face would be kind of rude, but it would be worth it to show his friends. And plus, he was also really curious himself. He took two photos of the woman and uploaded them immediately. The man also began wondering if she would accidentally fall off the platform if she kept stumbling around like that. Friend 1. Oh man, she's totally drunk. Friend 2. Oh, she's got a nice figure. Suddenly, there was a loud crack noise and the man looked up from his phone, startled. He looked over and saw that the woman had hit her head on the wall and blood was slowly trickling down her face, or part of her face since her hair covered most of it anyway. Slowly, the woman stepped back from the wall, turned around, and began walking towards the platform again. The man immediately updated what had just happened. Man, the drunk woman hit her head on the wall. Friend 1, call 911. Friend 2, go help her out. Maybe you'll get lucky. Ha ha. Friend 3, call the police then. Friend 4, leave her be and get out of the station. Friend 5, whoa, you're heartless. Friend 4, how would you get home then? Friend 7, something's not right. The photo you just posted looks really strange. Friend 4. Yeah, it looks like there's something else going on. Friend 8. Are you guys insane? Are you saying there are ghosts? Friend 4. I'm not saying there's a ghost, but it looks like there's a hand grabbing her hair and pulling her towards the train platform. At this point, the man started to laugh silently. Ghosts. Yeah, right. Well, if that's what they're saying, I might as well give them a scare. Man. Oh man, I think you're right. If you look closely, she's not really dancing. It looks like she's... It looks like something's pulling at her and she's struggling to get free. Friend 1. Oh man, I have goosebumps now. Friend 4. Don't get close to her. It looks so strange and you can definitely see it from the photo. Friend 2. Are you serious? Since when did you become ghost expert? Friend 3. What ghost? You need to go see a doctor, man. Friend 4. I've had this gift as a child. I can see things that most people can't see. Please get out of the station. Friend 5. What about the girl? Friend 4. This might be a bit brutal, but if I were you, I would leave her. Or I would be putting myself in danger. The man shook his head at his friend's interaction. Ghosts. These people are insane. Just when he thought things couldn't get any more ridiculous, he suddenly noticed that the woman had vanished. She was nowhere to be seen. Man. The woman disappeared. Friend 1. What the hell? Friend 2. Maybe she was taken by the ghost. Friend 3. What did you see in the photo anyway? Friend 5. 
Did she fall off the platform? Friend six. Go check. Man. Okay, okay, I'll go check now. Just as the man got up to go check, the train announcement came on. The final train was arriving. The train is now arriving. Please stand back. Friend one. I don't think you should go check. Friend two. Hey, where'd he go? Friend three. Is he gone? Friend five. Probably went home. The next morning, there was a news story about a man and a woman who had jumped off the train platform at Oxo Station, committing suicide together. People assumed the two were lovers, but after further investigation, the man and the woman could not be linked in any way possible. So, what really happened? Well, you decide. Spirits, accident, coincidence, who knows. Well, there you have it. Five more tales from the Asian continent to help you sleep better at night. The best part about urban legends is that it works your imagination. What happened to someone might not happen to you. And that's where the whole idea of an urban legend comes in. Just because you've never experienced it doesn't mean it's not real. So keep an open mind. And also, don't put yourselves in dangerous situations. Honestly, not worth it. If you guys know of other urban legends I should cover, hit me up. Or personal ghost stories in Asia. Thank you so much. Till next time. Thank you all so much for allowing me to reach episode 40. It's a big milestone for me every time I reach uh, something Oh, So I will do my best and reach episode 50 soon. I would like to thank uh, reviewer V3RA Pink, or is that Vera Pink, but with a cool E? I'm not sure. Uh, for my Patreons, thanks to Joe North, Lana Gorgona, and Michelle Goldsmith. All your support is unbelievable and it really makes me happy. So thank you. And if Patreon is not your thing, feel free to do um, PayPal. Because that's like a one-time thing and I know not everybody has money to spare every single month. So I totally get it, guys. No problem. And if you do prefer to do a PayPal thing, let me know and I will work out something for you in return. Everybody gets something. So thank you all very, very much. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you enjoyed my content, please rate and review me on iTunes. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.